welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Mike had come down with a a Royal Rangers Pathfinder team, and we were in one of the churches that was experiencing tremendous revival. On the team was a a medic, um, and he pulled me aside after the service. We're having an incredible altar service, and he said, missionary, we've got a problem. He said, these people are sick. What do you mean they're sick? He said, everyone that you, you touch, they're, they're just burning up with fever. I asked him, have, have you ever experienced the anointing of God as you lay hands on somebody to pray for them? No, what's that? I said, that's the heat that you feel as you're praying for them. He said, oh, yeah? Boy, he was laying hands on, on everybody. After they got filled with the Holy Spirit, then they started hugging. They, they would come and, and just love on us. What a difference. We never thought we'd leave Ecuador, thought we'd die there. The, the, the things that God did in us and through us, we, we started the, the Indian district because we couldn't get credentials for any of our Indian pastors. The Spanish districts wouldn't, wouldn't give a credential to an Indian. They considered them animals. We started the Bible school because we had to train these leaders. It, it seemed like every village that we would go in, the first believer was the the one God would raise up to be the pastor, and not all of them were men. As we trained and mentored and and saw God develop all of this, God had other plans every year. Um, National superintendents, district superintendents, our our average student is 37 years old. Some of them are 60 and and, uh, 70 years old. They're the top leaders in the Assemblies of God in all of the Spanish-speaking world. Many of them are preparing to go out as missionaries to to places that that you and I couldn't go to. But God sent them to work in those places. We're we're mentoring and and part of the formation of what God's doing in all of Spanish-speaking Latin America. Never dreamt when... I told you earlier, when God called me to, to missions, I thought I was going to be a contractor. I told God I'd go anywhere in the world except Los Angeles, and I'd never be a youth pastor. Um, while I was in California, I married a, a California gal, and you, you don't tell God where you're not going to go. Um, it, it doesn't work. I, I promise you that. Uh, God will use anybody that will make themselves available. My wife was a, a farm gal, nine years old, invited to a church because of a Sunday school competition. I went to church because a friend invited me, promising me there'd be pretty girls. The pastor's daughter, two of them. That's, and I found Jesus and fell in love with him. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to read with me in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. At verse 35, Matthew 9, 35, 
It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. How many towns and villages? All. He, he didn't pastor in any one place. He didn't settle down. He had a missionary heart. God's heart is a missionary heart. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What does compassion mean? Does it mean pity? He took pity on them? No. Compassion is love in action. Compassion is when we put feet to what God's put in our heart. God wants to use you and I as missionaries, as evangelists. He wants us to take the Great Commission and put feet to it, feet to it and go and, and share the good news. If you've never led somebody to the Lord, let me tell you, there's nothing like it. The alternative is they're going to hell. And God doesn't want anyone to be lost. He wants everyone to have a chance to hear, but they need to hear in their language. They need to hear within their cultural context. Can you imagine somebody coming and yelling at you in a language that you don't understand? You're going to reject them without even thinking about it. They've got to come in a, in a, in, in a way that your culture will allow you to accept it, to, to even give it a hearing. Let's look at the last verse, verse 37. Then he, that's Jesus, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The same problem that he had in his day, we have in our day. There just aren't enough going out. And every day, we're getting fewer and fewer. I was sharing with Pastor, I, I'm sent out of the Southern California district because God made me. Southern California for many, many years was the number one missions-giving, mission-sending district in the United States. It's been 21, 22 years since the last time they sent out a missionary that had pastored to be, go into full-time missionary service. Young people, God's calling you. God's He's putting something in your heart because he wants to send you. And it isn't just young people. When, when we presented ourselves for, for missionary service, there was another couple that went through the process with Paul and Babe Evans. They were 72 years old. And God sent them out, and they had a fruitful, a fruitful ministry. Their, their call was to children. You know how to, to fix this problem? Says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If you'll open your Bible and, and look through the Bible, you'll find phrase after phrase that says something like this Go to all nations, go to all the world. Take the gospel to every creature. 
to the uttermost parts of the earth, to every nation and tribe and people and language. Church, 50% of the, the world's population has not yet heard the gospel in a culturally relevant way. That's boots on the ground. Somebody that comes and, and learns their language and learns their culture and, and loves them to Jesus. What's God talking to you about? If you can't go, then you need to send a substitute. Do you hear me? If you can't get up and go, then you need to support others that can go. That's our obligation before God. There will come a time that we will stand before God and God's going to be handing out rewards. We don't want to be standing before God with empty hands. God wants to use everyone here. Now, I grew up in a, in a ranching, mining community. I grew up running a trap line. Um, if, if we didn't have venison to eat in the wintertime, we didn't have meat. I didn't grow up in a pastor's home. I didn't grow up in a missionary's home. But God so got a hold of my heart and my life. And he asked me, Alan, will you give me your heart to serve me as a missionary? What I knew to do, give me tools and I can build almost anything. I can fix almost anything. So my faith at that time was, God, yes, I'll go. I'll, I'll be a contractor. I'll go and I'll build Bible schools and churches and, and hospitals. And I, I've done that everywhere I've ever gone. He didn't tell me the rest of it. But God began to work in my heart and in my life. I, I liken myself sometimes to Jeremiah. There was a, a time in his life where he got just so fed up, he, he refused to say a word. Refused to, to speak the, the, the prophecies and the word that God had for his people. Until, Scripture says, it began to burn in his bones. And he couldn't keep his mouth shut any longer. I was a shy, quiet kid. Now, you put a football in my hands, that was different. But to tell me to get up in front of a group of people and speak, it had been easier to, to sprout wings and fly. But God began to do such incredible things in my life. There came a time I couldn't keep my mouth shut anymore. I had to tell people about my Jesus. I had to tell people about the Lord. Is God using you? What is your ministry? What is your giftedness? What does God want to do? Through you. One of the great uh, men in, in uh, this last century in missions giving was R.G. Letourneau, uh, Robert Letourneau. You, many of you that have ever had anything to do with construction, he was the inventor of the, of the, um, the caterpillar, the bulldozer. He was the inventor of the, the big Letourneau uh, land leveler, mountain mover, um, World War II, he invented 70% of all of the, the heavy equipment that they used in, in World War II for construction and building roads and airport, air, air landing strips, that kind of thing. He 
made a promise to God to live on 10% of his income and tithe 90%. In fact, he made the statement, it isn't how much of my money that I'm going to give to God. It's how much of God's money that I'm going to keep for myself. If we'll let God use us as a channel to give, I promise you, he'll bring it in if you'll give it out. It's the hardest thing for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven, Scripture says, because they want to hold on to it. Well, let me tell you a new definition of a rich man or woman. It's that man or woman of God that will let God use them as a channel to give. If you're not in a position to go and reach every tribe and tongue, then you need to send substitutes that will go in your place. We need to give and we need to pray. If we're, if we're a praying people, God will use us. He'll show us. God has so many times saved my life on the mission field because somebody was praying at just the right moment, at, at that precise moment. I shared in the early service about coming down out of the mountains after a particularly difficult situation in a, in a church that it had to do with a witch doctor and, and the enemy of my soul was angry and he tried to, to take my life. I had a group of, of Kichwa leaders with me. We, we had to cross this particular bridge that was so narrow and on the other side was a sort of a speed bump that you just had to creep over kind of at an angle or you just scrape your car the whole way. And as we're just down inching across Suddenly, a, a group of armed men stepped out in front of us, and I knew in my spirit they weren't going to rob us. They were there to kill us. The, the other Indian leaders told me later, they were going to kill us. They were going to kill us. Well, in, in my spirit, I'm immediately crying out to Jesus, help us. Thinking in, in those split seconds, if maybe if I throw myself over in the seat and accelerate through the middle of them, some of us might live through this if we can get out and run as they're shooting at us. And that instant, the leader of the group, big guy, he just he turned pale. Eyes got big as saucers, and he began to stumble backwards, and he turned and he ran, and the others ran with him. Now, my God sent either a huge warrior angel or an army of angels that day. I'm still waiting for the day that somebody's going to come and say, on October 28, 2008, what were you doing? Because God puts you on my heart. See, somebody was praying, and God wasn't done with me yet. Are you people of prayer? Are you sensitive to what God wants to do? Every tribe and every tongue, that none would be lost, that none would not have the chance to hear. We talk about the Great Commission. Matthew 28. The last words of Jesus on this earth. Imagine the last chance face to face with his disciples. And this is what he said. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, therefore. And that word therefore in the Greek is a powerful word. 
It, it's more than just our simple therefore. It's because it's, I've received it, I now give it to you. I transmit to you, my disciples, the authority in the name, in my name, to go. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I now give it to you. But for what purpose? To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. That's what God's got me doing right now. But it's a whole lot more than just teaching. It's mentoring. It's discipling. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to end today with a story. This is by Oswald J. Smith. He talks about uh, a Dr. Duff, Alexander Duff, many years a, a missionary in, in India, coming to the, the twilight of his life. He had returned to Scotland to die. And as he stood before their, their general council, their, their, their big meeting of all of the, the ministers of the Presbyterian Church, he made this appeal. But as he made his appeal for others to go, there was no response. It says, in the midst of his appeal, he fainted and was carried off the platform. A doctor was called, and the, as the doctor bent over him and examined his heart, Presently, he says, he opened his eyes and asked, where am I? Where am I? Lie still, said the doctor. You've had a heart attack. Just lie still. But, exclaimed Dr. Duff, I haven't finished my appeal. Take me back. Take me back. I must finish my appeal. Lie still, the doctor said again. If you go back, it'll be at the peril of your own life. But, isn't that a powerful little word? But? In spite of the protests of the doctor, this old warrior struggled to his feet, and with a doctor on one side and the, the moderator of the, the great assembly on his other side, he again mounted the steps of the pulpit platform. As he did so, the entire assembly rose to their feet to do him honor. Then, when they were seated, he continued his appeal, and this is what he said. When Queen Victoria calls for volunteers for India, hundreds of young men respond. But when King Jesus called, when King Jesus calls, no one goes. Then he paused. There was silence. Again he spoke. Is it true? Is it true, he asked, that the fathers and mothers of Scotland have no more sons to give for India? Again he paused. Still, there was silence. Very well, he concluded. Then, aged though I am, I'll go back to India. I can lie down on the, the banks of the Ganges River, and I can die. Thereby, I can let the people of India know that there was one man in Scotland who loved them enough to give his life for them. In a moment, young men all over the assembly began to spring to their feet, crying, I'll go, 
I'll go. And after the old white-haired warrior had been laid to rest, these young men, having graduated, found their way back to dark, benighted India, there to labor as his substitutes for the Lord Jesus Christ. The questions asked, what about you, my friend? Has God spoken to you? Will you not answer? If you cannot go, will you not send a substitute? And it ends with, why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it once? Will the musicians come, please? Please. 